Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Fine, fine Saturday matinee to you, Andy Nelson. Good morning, good morning, good morning. The first thing I need to hear from you, the very first thing, as an avid follower and, nay, a fan of the service, is how are you feeling about MoviePass? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still get my free movies. But 
as of today, as reported in The Hollywood Reporter, they have changed the service again. Did you read this? That according to, oh, this is what they said, aligned with, this is a very human, I think, human and rational and warm approach to long-term customers. As of today, aligned with Section 2.4 of our Terms of Use, your annual subscription plan will now let you see three movies a month instead of the previous unlimited offering. Now, haven't they done this before? Yeah, they're pretty much changing it all the time. They're not they're not good at this. And when I say this, I mean like running a business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're pretty bad. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, I I'm not using it as much as I should. So to that end, um, I'm one of the people that's probably uh benefiting them. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> because I'm not watching. I, I'm. I've been lucky to get out to the theater and use their service like once a month. So I. I don't know. I'm contemplating switching to the AMC plan because at least I know AMC is more stable than Movie Pass is. Well, and you they pay you pay a little more for the AMC plan, don't you? Like you yeah, pay twice a, a more sustainable kind of approach. It's twice as much, but yeah, I can use it when I go to IMAX or. Uh, Dolby Cinema, things like that. Because they're all movie AMC pass, that's, that's when you know I get stuck with, um, you know, having Movie Pass but unable to use it for yeah. anything because uh, they don't allow you to go to those specialty screenings. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking. My alternative is because our theaters are Regal. Well, we don't have very oh, many right. AMC here. So Regal is the big theater chain. And uh, I think they're a little bit new to this game of subscription, like jumping into the subscription service. Uh, you get you get a lot of points. They have a point system. So I've got points up the yin-yang uh, and can go see free movies on the, the points as the part of the crown club. But... They're, they're, it, it's so hard to manage. It's, it's really painful to be a part of their service because it's so hard to use. Right. So I'm, you know, I think they they need to figure that out. Yeah, that's it's always I would love a subscription service. This was the thing that was so amazing to me when when I was down there with you and we went to see that movie and we went over to Steve's house and they pulled out like the subscription cups for the drink right. discounts yeah, Harkins, and they, yeah. I mean all of that is so new to me. Like this is a brave new world. Subscription cups. I would just, I would have a subscription cup. Yeah, you just buy the cup at the beginning of the year and then you use it all year and you just pay a buck to I refill have, it. Yeah, I have no subscription cups. That's a brilliant idea. It is. Subscription cups. Mm-hmm. And oh, shirts. Well. And shirts to get yeah. popcorn. Shirts? You yeah. you buy a shirt to get popcorn? What's that? Yeah. I didn't get a shirt. Well, now they've actually changed it to just a popcorn pass. So you just have a, oh, a special a thing. Because nobody sort. actually wore the shirts. That was the, initially why the Why would you wear the shirt? <laughs> oh, you have was, to wear a shirt. They were always ugly shirts. And it's like, why am I going to put <laughs> this shirt on just to get the free popcorn pass? And That's so people would just idea. bring the shirt. <laughs> Because we would just bring it. And uh, then they started accepting you to just bring it. And then I think they finally realized, you know, no one's really wearing these shirts. <laughs> let's just, oh, let's just really drop funny. that whole thing. So you buy a little pass and you get discount popcorn. Exactly. That seems really smart to me. It is smart. They're yeah, smart. Like that. They're smart. But see, we don't have Harkins. That's That must be another local Arizona thing. It started Arizona local, and now it's uh, in several states. I think Oklahoma, Colorado, all Midwestern areas. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple others, but uh, mm. not many. Do you have any opinions on this Guardians of the Galaxy thing? 
Guardians three has been put on halt- hold. Halted. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. I not surprised. I figured it would be put on hold when you when you can the the uh, director. Yeah. Kind of writer, director, creator. Of course, they're going to put it on hold. I mean, what else are they going to do? Now they've got to figure out um, a plan for who is going to direct it. Does it need to be rewritten? I know some of the actors have expressed disinterest in working on the script if it was still uh, James Gunn's script out of respect for him. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very curious uh, as to where this whole thing is going to go. And some of the actors, uh, I think Dave Batista actually said he's been considering, you know, if he might just want to request to the studio that they just write him out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's been, been quite vocal on Twitter and has been quite vocal in, um, you know, posting and sending to Disney all kinds of stuff about the guy who led the charge to get gun fired to right. to dig up through guns history and sort of recontextualize uh these early tweets that ended up getting him fired it's it's really dark and uh I, i'm my it's one of those examples that of of social media gone awry you know what are you gonna do disney you're gonna just let it hire him back <laughs> you know what i mean like i i don't know i well I have, that's i feel great pain yeah Disney's put yeah. themselves in a really awkward situation. Unfortunately, totally. they they acted so quickly on the issue, um, and now they're in a hard position because people are going to be upset with them whichever way they go. Right, and now they've they've you know made a mess of this whole thing, and I don't know if there's really an easy way out of this situation that they've put themselves in. Um, do they just drop guardians three permanently and, and kill, kill the whole project? Uh, do they bring on a different director? Are they going to have to bring on different cast members? No matter how you slice it, it's never going to be what it was. And I think that they've made a mess of it. And, uh, Mm -hmm. so now I'm really curious though, to see what happens with James Gunn, because I've heard that there are other, other studios looking, um, uh, very strongly at him for some other projects, including, I think I heard Warner brothers was actually eyeballing him to come on board to direct, um, some of their, um, some of their comic book movies. So that would be fascinating. Yeah. And, and a well-deserved change of tone. Oh, absolutely. I can't remember which one of their projects it was, but uh, I think it was actually Green Lantern. They thought that he might be an interesting choice to to helm a, a reboot of that series and actually do something good with it. Talk about a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? That's not a challenge. That's like a, it's just a complete can't tabula rasa. I mean, that is that it, I feel like there are so many wonderful directors working who could do great work with Green Lantern, particularly because of A, what the character offers, uh, B, what the universe offers, and C, how terribly the last movie uh, has sort of lived in history. Uh, it's it's wide open. Like, the bar was set so, so low. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I know it's a complicated uh, franchise to to work in, So, but I feel like you know, Gunn is probably a guy who could do something with it. You're right. Other people probably could, but 
I would be curious about uh, what he could bring to the table with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, just a little bit of box office opinionating. I'd like you to opinionate for me. Oh, <laughs> let the opine. opinionations begin. Would you? Would you do some opinionationing? Uh, Kevin Spacey's Billionaire Boys Club earned one hundred twenty-six dollars on open opening day. Yeah, I think it's up to like two hundred and eighty-seven for the two two-day gross opening day. Wow. How do, you, how do you feel about that? I know you saw it early. <laughs> you probably preview. were at some sort of a premiere. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. It actually looks like it's listed with global at 1.4 million though. All right. Well, people around the world didn't didn't think so harshly. They don't care so much <laughs> they about. They don't really care so much. <laughs> Oh. oh, wait, he's disgraced? Oh, oh, I get it. We're not supposed to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> this one, so I, I don't know. I, I guess it, it doesn't surprise me at all. I didn't see it. Uh, it was, I think we did it as a, I did it as a trailer pick, and it was not a movie that I was all that uh, in, interested in. Um, and uh, so it didn't surprise me that it didn't do well, but didn't do that well. That that was a surprise. What did surprise what does surprise it constantly a bunch of surprises going on right now uh crazy rich asians is dominating that surprised me and in in a good way i haven't seen the movie yet but all the reports i'm getting is that it is not the movie you think it is uh and i i like hearing that that sounds like something we're seeing have you seen it yet i have not but it's been on my uh, radar yeah and to you and to us uh happy time murders marks the worst opening of melissa mccarthy's career <laughs> Oh, Melissa. Oh, dear. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that? I know you've seen it now. I have. Yes, I and, have. And I, does it feel like that is in alignment with your expectations? I don't feel like I should say anything. I think, feel like I should save it for the film board, which we're going to be recording later this weekend. I know, but I can't be there. Yeah, you can, tell, you can tell me, Andy. <laughs> no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I will say, um, uh, I was not a fan at all. In fact, I downright hated uh, Peter Jackson's uh, puppet film. I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, the Meet the Feebles. Mm -hmm. uh, I really hated it, and I'll just I'll just say. There's a lot of similarities in in, this, <laughs> in, in some of the storytelling uh, with oh this one. <laughs> oh, dear. Am I being oh broad dear. enough? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You're decidedly not. <laughs> oh, Andy. I love Ms. Melissa McCarthy. I think that she is always, always great. And... Uh, she's always bringing good stuff to a film. And you're going to stop there? <laughs> <laughs> i got to save something for the show. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, it's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. Yes. Here. You got any news you want to talk about? That's everything that was on my list of exciting uh, news articles, news items. You know, um, just uh, something that I, I finally got around to watching, um, which uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. It was it was the great beauty. Do you remember hearing about this film a few years back? 
I do, but I don't remember why. It was an Italian film. Uh, Paolo Sorrentino directed it. Um, it was uh, it was quite the festival, darling. In fact, at the Oscars, it won Best Foreign Language Film. Oh, I totally remember this. Yes, absolutely. And we did it. We talked about it. It was a trailer pick. I uh, possibly totally yeah. totally was. Yeah, okay. I totally rem- I remember the poster so so clearly. Yes. Well, I I um I had avoided it for quite a while because it just looked so aloof and pompous and stuffy. Mm-hmm. You know, just the just the just the imagery of it looked that way. And uh, so but I finally watched it because you know, I'm trying to catch up on my um my uh Oscar nominations for best foreign language film. Mhm. And I have to say, it was not only was it an incredibly just creatively put together film, just beautiful camera work, stunning imagery. Um, It was completely engrossing from beginning to end and really quite uh, touching and powerful in the sense of kind of uh, the art of creation and finding, finding that spark. And I had an absolutely glorious time watching it. So um, I'm so glad I did because I just, I really didn't want to watch it. It just looked so just stuffy, but uh, it looked like kind of a, a stuffy foreign art film. Like, you know, when people make fun of, of foreign films, it looked like exactly what that is. It, yeah, it's the stereotype, right? But I loved it. So uh, definitely a great film worth checking out. So uh, so give it a shot. Uh, I would recommend to you and to all of our uh, Patreon supporters who are tuning in. Outstanding. Where'd you see it? Is it uh, streaming? No, I uh, I rented the disc. The Criterion released it and I, I checked it out from the library. The library. What's that again? Uh, La Biblioteca, maybe you're <laughs> familiar with it. Does that help? <laughs> oh, now I get it. Yeah, right. No, thanks for that. Uh, Multilingual sure. prod. <laughs> let's uh, let's do trailers, shall we? Let's, let's. Um, I'll let you kick it off since uh, since we don't have any rules applying to who gets to go first other than you posted first. <laughs> Okay. Um, you know what? I'm choosing one that is not actually going to get a theatrical release. This is an Amazon Prime, direct-to-prime uh, release. And, you know, there there was a time when the direct-to-streaming would be looked at with a little bit of suspicion. Um, I'm actually not looking at this one with suspicion. This looks like a, uh, a big Amazon investment uh, starring uh, Jim Broadbent and uh, Jim Carter and Tobias Menzies and um of course um the great uh, the great what's his name with the chianti <laughs> good old what's his name <laughs> you know i love him oh I he's think you mean the anthony hopkins <laughs> anthony hopkins you know as as that, uh, that you know, guy that was going to be never... that was going <laughs> That's going to be a great and dramatic introduction. And Anthony Hopkins as King Lear. Uh, this is, of course, King Lear, uh, directed by Richard Eyre. And uh, it is, uh, I think, every now and again, every several years, handful of years, we need a big, blustering Shakespeare joint, you know? And this seems to be one <laughs> of them. That's what they call them. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, Spike and, Lee's uh, joints. These are... it's Spike Lee's Shakespeare's joint. <laughs> <laughs> the next Shakespeare joint. 
It is the next Check. Shakespeare's joint. Have I so this King Lear as a story has a very warm place in my heart. When I was a kid in high school, uh, a couple of friends and I, uh, friends the show uh, at DC Barnes and Trent Adams, we had a little film company, and uh, high school other high school students would quote hire us to make video adaptations of their like school presentations, and we had been uh, tasked to create a movie of King Lear starring this sort of learning team of students who needed to tell the story of King Lear in short form. And so uh, we totally invested in King Lear. And uh, so it, it is a place that's very close to my heart. And uh, I I think that seeing Anthony Hopkins in, in that lead role, knowing that it's a role that's been important to him for some time is, uh, is going to be really, really fun. Um, I, you know, I I think highly of the cast. I think highly of the direction and uh, all the, getting all these people on screen for this particular property uh, and and watching Hopkins go bananas. Hopkins goes bananas uh, <laughs> is uh, is going to be a great thing to add to the the Shakespeare collection. So it's already cruising over the six star IMDb rating, uh, and so I think it's going to be going to be worth checking out. What do what do you think? I think Hopkins Goes Bananas is actually his follow-up to this uh, with an orangutan <laughs> as his uh, starring companion. Totally. So I am very much looking forward. Left turn, Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> very much looking forward to that one. Um, I, you know, King Lear is um, one of uh, Shakespeare's projects that uh, I really do enjoy quite a bit. I think there's a lot of... Um, really just beautiful stuff going on in the particular story. My my favorite adaptation that I've seen is probably the one that uh, Peter Brook directed. I think it might have been, I don't know if it was a, a TV, like a made for the BBC type of TV movie sort of thing, um, or if it actually did get a theatrical release. But um, I've just found so much power in, in Peter Brook's version, Paul Schofield. Uh, plays Lear in that one. And I've always loved the imagery. It's just really powerful. Um, likewise, this one looks really, really good. Um, I just love the, the, the tone of it and actually reading a little bit about the plot makes me even more excited set in an alternate universe, 21st century, highly militarized London. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, wow, this, and, and it looks, it just looks great. Um, the casting, I mean, with uh, Emma Thompson and Emily Watson as the two older daughters. Uh, they look great in this as well. Um, I, I do find this to be just an absolutely compelling story, whatever variation it is, whether it's uh, Kurosawa or Peter Brook or um, looks to be uh, this one. So, um, yeah, it's a nice pick. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, I'm glad. I, you know, it's it's uh, it does it hits the 28th of September. I think it drops um, on Amazon Prime. Certainly in the U.S. and U.K. That was the the it was Trevor. Was it Trevor Nunn? Um, that was the one that that with it was the Royal Shakespeare production uh, version of Lear with Ian McKellen. That was the one that really stood out for me. I think. Uh, um, uh, I, I actually, I don't know if I saw that Peter Brook version that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I watched it in a class, uh, like a literature class in college. And uh, we watched, the the professor had us watch a couple different variations of King Lear just to kind of compare the storytelling styles. And 
Uh, we watched that one, and then we watched, I think, the more famous Orson Welles version. But um, this one, by far, I found um, to this day. I mean, it, it's it, for me the most affecting version that I've seen, even more so than than Ran um, uh, Kurosawa's mm-hmm. version or anything else. And did you ever see A Thousand Acres? The uh, kind of uh, uh, it was a novel. Uh, it was a movie based on a novel that was kind of a reworking of the story. Um, it came out in the late nineties, had like Michelle Pfeiffer, Jessica Lang, I think Jace, was it Jason Robards was their father? Yeah. Jason Robards. Oh, you ever see that? interesting. I know. I don't think I did. Uh, but I'm looking at it right now. King Lear set on a farm in Iowa. Yeah, man. This is right at the six star rule on IMDb. Yeah. I remember struggling with it a little bit. I didn't think it captured uh, as as much of the storytelling that I wanted it to, it seemed a little more of a kind of a a weepy drama, but um, but it is an interesting interpretation of it. And I think it if we ever do be, a King Lear series, it would be an interesting one to throw in just to see how it can be revisioned. Yeah, the the novel for A Thousand Acres was actually written by Jane Smiley, uh, who is one of my very favorite writers. And I have not read this book, but I interviewed her for a. Uh, she joined me as a guest speaker in a class I was teaching on another one of her works. She's a fantastic writer in that sort of Americana um, space, and uh, well, so you definitely should read highly. It. Highly recommend it. Uh, I highly recommend her work, and I need to read this book. Yeah. Nice, nice pick. Okay, now it's your turn. Well, I am going for a trailer that uh, that just played for me when I went and saw Happy Time Murders, which um, looked quite interesting. It's called A Simple Favor, and actually the, the trailer is marketed as uh, from the darker side of, of Paul Feig. Or Fieg, or Fieg. <laughs> I never remember how you say his last name. Fieg. It's Fieg. Fieg. I know nobody, we've been getting in trouble else with, says it right. with antagonistic listeners for not pronouncing yes. people's names right, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's how Paul likes it. <laughs> this it's Paul. Paul, Paul Fieg. Fieg. Right. So, A Simple Favor is the latest in in his, his oeuvre, uh, and it looks quite... Uh, uh, it looks different for him, and it got me pretty excited um, because I I do think that Paul has had his ups and downs with his projects. Let me get some water. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really uh, I I loved Spy and I loved Bridesmaids. I enjoyed the Heat. I thought it was kind of fun. I didn't mind Ghostbusters. I know a lot of Ghostbusters fans completely love it or uh, completely hate it because they love the first one so much. But um, I was never really a big fan of the first one anyway. So I didn't think that they could screw it up (laughs) that badly. And so, you know, I enjoy it well enough. Um, But I think that he's somebody who's done some some interesting projects uh, that I've enjoyed. And seeing him kind of take this darker path with a, a really interesting story um, kind of got me excited. This is a story about uh, a um, a mom, Stephanie, whose whose son asks for a play date with his uh, friend from school, and his mom happens to be uh, Emily, and uh, the two women are played by Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, and it it the story kind of sets up this kind of odd relationship. Anna Kendrick, not the sort of person that uh, is that popular, even as an adult. And Emily is very kind of high styling, it seems. Um, But it seems to be there's a darker side to Emily. And uh, she calls uh, Stephanie over one day to come over and help her with something. And when Stephanie shows up, 
Emily's just gone and it turns into this disappearance of Emily and Stephanie's trying to help figure it out. But as, as she tries to figure out what might have happened, things kind of get darker and more twisted and it makes for something that I think looks very interesting. So, um, I was, I don't know, I, I guess I wasn't expecting something like this from, uh, from Paul, but uh, it got me pretty excited. And I think the the actresses both look great in their roles. Uh, what do you think of this one? Oh, I totally agree. And uh, it's so funny. Blake Lively. Can I just say about Blake Lively? She's one of those actresses that I, I, I don't know, I, I didn't watch. She was on the sh- that show. What was the show uh, that she did? Uh, uh, Gossip Girl? Yeah, Gossip Girl. I was not a I was not a Gossip Girl fan. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Age of Adeline, um, uh, but in in terms of like following, uh, you know, Blake Lively, I, I haven't been a big Blake Lively fan, I guess. Uh, but man, I love her on social media. Oh, really? Is that weird? She's so, <laughs> so great. And of course, uh, her husband is Ryan Reynolds. And together they make a, I, I can't believe I'm going to say these words, a social media power couple. They are so funny. It is more entertaining to watch how they interact with each other on inter- Instagram than some of their movies. Uh, but this is one of those examples where her personality is something that draws me to want to see this movie. Like that, that strikes me as a, that's unusual for me that, that it is a, a, somebody's social media presence that actually makes me want to, to follow their work. Um, I, I think this movie looks really compelling. I think, uh, the two of them, you're absolutely right together. Uh, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting combination uh, of personalities. I think the problem that, that that at least that I've heard from a lot of people who had a problem with Ghostbusters is that, is that you know it didn't need to be remade that way. It was just kind of a gender swap. You know, if there was a character in the other movie that was male, now it is female, and if it was female, now it is male, and that seemed like a kind of a too much of a low hanging fruit adaptation. And this movie looks like uh, original an original story uh, with people insofar as the gender doesn't matter so much it just is a story that is going to be a story about interesting women doing mysterious thrilling things and uh, so i i really look forward to this movie i think it's going to be great and you should totally follow blake lively on instagram <laughs> she's the best and her sense of fashion is off the hook she, she wears crazy stuff do you see her at like the vmas she's amazing oh i just thought you meant her sense of fashion in the trailer because it also exists there it too. also exists there yeah no <laughs> i think she does her own styling she's amazing she's she is uh fantastic so well it is based on a novel by uh, uh by darcy bell and it's her debut novel so um so maybe that also helps give it that a little more of an original twist. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, something, I look, I yeah, look forward to it. Yeah. Definitely something to be excited about. This one is going to be hitting theaters, um, in mid September, uh, for most of the world looks like here in the USA, September 14th. And, uh, it'll go through the end of September through most of the world, except October, November for Poland, the Czech Republic and Germany. Let's do the list, Andy. Ooh, the list. You weren't here last week. But you guys did an admirable job of coming up with ideas. I think we did okay. I think we did okay. I thought we did okay, I should say, until I started coming up with my list. Yeah, you guys did make it challenging. It was I will say. <laughs> this was not easy. 
Yeah, the movie last uh, week was uh, Beneath the Planet of the, of the Apes. And mm-hmm. for that, um, yeah, the, the option that uh, that everybody voted on was Subterranean Communities. Yeah. That's... Nobody voted for Cinematic Warlords. And a few people voted for End of the World movies. But uh, that would have been the easy one, I, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Subterranean Civilizations, a little trickier. A little here's, here's what I thought. Uh, as people were voting, I imagined each of their inner monologue going something like this. Warlords, end of the world, subterranean civilizations. Well, the guys sure didn't think this through. Click. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, so uh, since you weren't around, uh, would you like to go first? You know, I would. I would, Pete. Right. Thank you so much. <laughs> so for my first choice, I am actually going with the third of a trilogy and um, an oft maligned trilogy because it dropped in in quality. Most Let me just time. say, I'm almost sure this is already a steal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is too. Um, uh, I really do enjoy The Matrix Revolutions, even though most people hate it. I think uh, Matrix, Matrix Reloaded is uh, a very frustrating film. Frustrating because it's long. It just never seems to end. I like a lot of stuff in it, but for me, The Revolutions was the uh, um, the one that I enjoyed um, much more. Even though it gets a little um, uh, nonsensical with the uh, the you know the, the final explanations, all that exposition we get um, coming from the. Uh, I can't even remember his name. the 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 man in the computer. When we go into his room, it just gets the a architect. Little, the architect. There you go. Yeah, it gets a little silly, but you know what? I enjoy so much of the other stuff in here that I I end up forgiving this film for a lot of those sorts of issues. You can forgive I, a lot, mostly because there is actually a character in the movie called Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I honestly, after the first film, when it was announced that it was a trilogy, I felt like the Wachowski brothers had just written themselves into a corner. No matter how you sliced it, it was going to be a tricky, um, a tricky trilogy to put together in a way that was as pleasing to people as the first film was. Because the first film was just so great because of everything going on in the, in the, uh, uh, the real world, quote unquote, and and uh, or our world, you know, the one that mm-hmm. is the Matrix. And I knew by the time you got to the end, you were going to have to spend a lot of time in the real world, which is the underground world that the, uh, you know, that everybody is actually just a battery in. Um, And, you know, I was like, yeah, it's going to be fine. It'll be a big battle and I'll be okay with that. I did really enjoy what they did, though. And despite some of the club dancing and stuff that they do down in Zion, which I did find a little uh, uh, irritating. I actually really enjoyed the underground community that they had created here. And I do enjoy that great big battle that they have um, down there. I think it's a, it's visually uh, quite stunning. So, uh, so that's my first pick, the matrix revolutions. I, as much as I, I'm going to avoid picking the matrix reloaded. (laughs) Although technically that's where we meet Zion and the Nebuchadnezzar has that awesome docking scene that I like so much. So that'll be my, (laughs) a bonus pick. (laughs) It it was a steal. Uh, I I will start with, um, uh, with, uh, uh, an old oldie, but a goodie, 
is it maybe it's just an oldie uh, <laughs> that is THX 1138. Uh, this was George Lucas's uh, first. And uh, it is a movie that I saw because I felt like I had to. And there are a lot of people who really like it, and I sometimes wonder why. Uh, it takes place in an unnamed underground kind of um, cave, not cave, underground, just sort of in industrial chic complex. Uh, and it is uh, all about uh, the story of people who have uh, really serial number names instead of real names, and they rebel against their their uh the the rigidly controlled society and culture and uh it's it, it you know robert duvall's in it and donald pleasance and you, you kind of got to see it for all that stuff i found it a little bit tiresome but it it does fit the bill so they does THX fit the bill. 1138 did you are you a fan of thx 1138 not really um i do find it uh i, I find it an interesting watch it's yeah. not anything i love but I think in context of the world of sci-fi, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a story that's that's interesting. It's nice to see George Lucas kind of at his, um, you know, early kind of more arty sci-fi sort of storytelling before he goes into the kind of the big budget blockbuster yeah. uh, world. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it was just something that I felt um, might have been a little more heady than it needed to be. Um, but you know, I still like it. And actually I, I never watched his, um, I know he went back to that one also and did his own special version, uh, yeah. with ad additional, uh, CG and some creatures and all that sort of stuff. I have never seen that. Um, I heard that it's not an improvement. So I think if I am going to go back to it, I am probably going to go back to the uh, original version if i can find I, that one this is know. this is the thing i don't think you can find it i i don't have that one i uh but but i will say it was a lateral move to my memory like it if you didn't have strong feelings about the original you won't have very strong feelings about the the changes that he made in the um in his the the lucasification of it yeah yeah so uh, but it, it's one of those things you should see it because you need it in your catalog you need to at least be able to talk about it with other nerds right exactly Exactly. So, there you go. What's your next pick? For my next choice, I'm looking at uh, Guillermo del Toro and, <clears throat> excuse me, an early film that he did, uh, 1997, uh, Mimic, which, you know, it's, it's a film that I think people don't enjoy that much. But in the world of Guillermo del Toro, I find that I end <laughs> up liking it a lot more than a lot of his other films. Isn't that because people, like, there are so many people involved with this movie that just suddenly faded out like what happened to mira sorvino well yeah but then you look at josh brolin you're like oh oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't think it's that i just think that um it's it's just seen as kind of a a, a b-level horror movie that yeah. didn't do a whole lot before he really had a chance to you know find himself and all of a sudden became this auteur that everybody wanted to make these these great films I, and granted, he didn't have director's cut with the film, and I know he was unhappy with it. And I know he released a uh, a director's cut um, sometime in the last 10 years, although I've never gone back to see that one. And I, I hear he's much happier with that one. Um, but um, but I still enjoyed it. I thought it was actually really interesting. And it dealt with these these kind of cockroaches uh, that were in kind of the, the underground subway world 
of New York, which is kind of this whole other world in and of itself with these people who kind of live down there. And, um, but people are getting these diseases from these cockroaches. And, and Mira Servino is this entomologist who's, who's uh, trying to study these. And she's using this uh, genetic engineering to create a breed of, of uh, cockroach that helps get rid of these bad cockroaches that are, are killing everybody. Or I think mostly it's children. But as it turns out, this breed that she has created um, evolves and they turn into these gigantic, gigantic <laughs> cockroaches <laughs> that are like human size. But I, I really love about them that they actually stand and they look like they're mimicking people. I just found that so off-putting and creepy. And they all have to go, you know, the whole clan has to go underground to um, to find them and and stop them and rescue the people and all that sort of stuff and and they they meet some some people who uh you know spend more time underground than probably they should and i guess that's my stretch for calling this an underground civilization although i think you could say the cockroaches are the civilization oh i thought you were totally leaning on the cockroaches yeah i was gonna give it to you for cockroaches (laughs) but um Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I found this to be much better than people said. And so I think it's worth checking out. My second well, choice. I totally agree make. with you also because Norman Reedus is in it. Yeah, uh, his first one film. Of his, his first film. And the, you know, I, 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 I misspoke. I should have not have said, it because look at these other people. F. Murray Abraham, you already yeah. mentioned Josh Brolin, Charles S. Dutton. This was a 90s era Charles S. Dutton, which is before he was in things like What Lola Wants. Like he was awesome in the 90s i you know giancarlo Giannini, come on yeah. uh what is going on with why this movie is not is not more popular it's a 5.9 on the imdb scale people go see it and at least give it a 6.1 we got to get it to a six i want to check out the uh, director's cut now and yeah. see what i think of that one yeah so anyway that's my Good second pick. choice not what about a you steal not a still. Uh, right. I love that. I'm going to go animated, Andy. And I'm actually surprised that I got to this one Shoot. Uh, before you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I was saving it for the finale. <laughs> I bet that you are going to say Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Is that no. where you're going? No. No. Nope. Then you're going to say Fraggle Rock. <laughs> uh. <laughs> if only they had a feature film, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is the uh, 2001 film, uh, Atlantis, the Lost Empire. It comes from Disney. They started production on this one right after uh, Hunchback. And I know Hunchback is high on your list. This is circa the same era as as that stars Michael J. Fox. Jim Varney, weirdly. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Claudia Christian is in it. Uh, James Garner is in it. John Mahoney is in it. Uh, Leonard Nimoy is in it. I mean, it's got some great, great. Oh, David Ogden Styers is in it. Uh, So they've got some fantastic voice talent. And it's a movie that weirdly sort of landed in this same kind of cultural space as Treasure Planet. You know, this kind of uh, uh, weird, like not quite Disney enough Disney movie. Um, when they were making that transition from hand-drawn animation to like leaning heavily on CG and, uh, and this is one of those movies, but it does, they do end up busting through this wall inside of a volcano and they discover Atlantis, which is not, uh, underwater. It is in, it, it is underground, a whole civilization of people, uh, of the Atlanteans, uh, carrying on 
with their daily buckle shuffle underground. Uh, and, and it's cute. You know, it's one of those that my kids really liked and uh, when they were of a certain age. And so we definitely have this one in the collection. And it's a 6.8 on the IMDb star scale. So there you go. It's... Uh... It's not a bad animated film. I actually, um, there are a lot of things about it that I do like quite a bit. Um, but I, I have, I, I do have some issues with it. This is one that was kind of in that, uh, that era that kind of, uh, stopped the, the, uh, hand drawn animation because I think Roy Disney was, uh, was really championing this and Treasure Planet, and uh, they they didn't succeed as well at the box office as people were hoping they would. And because of that, um, you know, they, Disney used that as see nobody wants to see hand drawn animation anymore. Right. And that's kind of led to the transition to all CG films, um, barring The Princess and the Frog, which was when they tried to come back and say no people, it's the storytelling, and then it didn't do it very well. And they said see. People only want to watch CG animated movies because people are dumb. People are dumb. dumb. Oh, people. So, but uh, it's, it's an interesting film. I I do have a lot of problems with it, but I think Disney did a lot of interesting stuff with it. The, The thing that weirdly frustrates me more than anything with this one is that, and it's, it's such a silly thing to be, um, uh, get irritated about. But in the world of Disney and Disney princesses, the fact that Kida is never recognized anywhere as a Disney princess, I find absurd. It's like, come on, just just put her up there. Let the yes. people have their princess. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times yes. Yes. You're right. Okay. I mean, they do the same with the girl in uh, um, uh, The Black Cauldron, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> that one might be for the best. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> all right what's your uh, what's your number one my final pick which i'm glad i do get to bring up you did not steal it uh you you said animated and, and made me a little nervous this is an animated film i watched fairly recently uh it's from 2013 uh it's uh it's uh, a japanese sci-fi film that uh yasuhiro yoshiura uh, wrote and directed and it's called patama inverted this was, um, it wasn't a perfect film, but I found the world so unique and exciting. It's definitely one you have to buy into because it's kind of fully nonsensical, but I really, really kind of just, I loved the, the, the visuals that it allowed, uh, throughout the film. Basically it's a, it's a story that takes place in the future when scientists are trying to get energy out of gravity. And what happens though is it screws up the gravity on the planet and and tons of people and houses and everything kind of just flies off the planet into space. So we now are, are That's later awesome. than that. And there's this whole society of humans who now live underground and their gravity is all reversed. So so their up is our down. And, and the story focuses on this, this young girl, Padma, who, um, is there, she's always exploring and trying to find resources and everything. And she's in these tunnels and she's freaked out because she sees a figure walking on the ceiling toward her and, um, and she escapes and finds that this is a somebody who's still living on the surface and finds out that there's a whole society of people still living on the surface whose gravity is normal. 
And so she ends up going to the surface and like, she has to grab onto things. Like she grabs onto this, this boy who helps her. Um, and, uh, and because from his perspective, she is floating up into the sky from her perspective. Um, she's falling down into the sky and it's the film is constantly shifting these perspectives between people and how things are viewed. And it just it makes for such an exciting visual experience. And uh, and it just kind of goes from there. But um, it's it's like I said, it's not like my favorite of films, but the world it created was wholly unique and completely uh, fascinating to watch. So that's my final pick. Pat to my inverted. I've never seen it. And it sounds fascinating. It's on the list definitely check it out it's a fun one it's a it's a fun one my uh uh kids also enjoyed it so that's awesome all yeah. right all right well my final pick is I, I don't know i i feel like it's a little bit of a tom cruise protest pick because there's so much talk about mission impossible right now and i feel like this movie is, has been kind of unfairly uh forgotten and that is 2013's oblivion which i really enjoyed uh, it is the story of this vet in this post-apocalyptic society, and he is he's stationed on Earth to guard these. I, I don't remember what the whole the whole gambit is for him. He's guarding some energy resources and repairing battle drones. Uh, that and and so he's got this fancy future tower that he lives in, and it's all very very cool. Uh, and then he comes across Morgan Freeman and the scavs or. Scabs, <laughs> the scavengers, scabs, well, like the scavengers. Scabs. Yeah. yeah, they're the scavengers, and they live in their underground bunker, the Red Rock Mountain Complex uh, bunker, and that is their. That's that's what I'm leaning on for their uh, underground civilization. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie, uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Uh, I thought it was a really fun vision uh, of the, um, you know, the the whole sort of post apocalyptic future. Uh, I don't. I don't remember why, um, you know, why when I talk to people, like, I don't remember what their main argument is for why they didn't like this movie, but it's a seven star on IMDb. So clearly somebody's liking it. Uh, it was originally based on a graphic novel that I have not read also by uh, Joseph Kaczynski, uh, who, who did the original story. But, you know, Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, uh, Olga Kurlyenko, uh, they're all really strong in, in this movie. And, uh, oh, Nikolai Koster-Waldau is in it, too, which is uh, awesome. Also fun to get a little bit of a um, Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones push if you need it between seasons. So I, I also really liked this movie. I think a lot of people complained that it had a, um, a, a it took a, uh, some of its story direction from Moon that um was a sci-fi film that we had talked about on mm -hmm. the show and uh, which was also great. Yeah, also great. And this had kind of a similar vibe to it and i think some people uh just felt like this was was using some of the conceits from moon it's hard to not really yeah it's hard to not talk about it without really kind of spoiling yeah, um, both right. films but it pulls something that seems very uh familiar and i think a lot of sci-fi fans just just you know accuse this of being too blatant to rip off and I, I, I can see the point, but I think that everything was done in a fresh enough way where I really had no problem with it. And I actually really enjoyed this film too. So, so fie on those people, Pete. Fie on those let's people. Let's enjoy the film and, and live with it. We shall.
together, you and me, to the end. <laughs> In our happy world. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. There's a it's, a it's a good list. I'm happy yeah. with this list. It was harder to come up with. I had a couple on my uh, my backup list in addition to Fraggle Rock. <laughs> uh, which was uh, one, and, and I I only didn't pick it because we've I think I've picked it before, which is Demolition Man. The the uh, this is why I was getting it confused because they're not the scabs, they're the scraps. The scraps resistance group lives in an underground city underneath Demolition Man, uh, and uh, Metropolis, which we've already talked about. There's the the whole underground thing there that we uh, we've talked about, uh, and I couldn't remember in in the first Total Recall is that underground or is it just under a dome. It's just under a dome on Mars. Okay, that's what I, I couldn't remember if when they if there was a, a part of it that goes underground. So that was that was it. Oh, and Blast from the Past because that's the movie I watched on my wedding night. But it's not really a civilization. <laughs> it's just a family living in a bunker. But they were civilized. Oh, that's funny. That well, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, there were a number that I couldn't put on the list because we've talked about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. Like I would happily have included the Descent. Um, I would, uh, I, yeah, I, that was, I, I thought about that one, but it felt a little bit like they weren't civilized. It's still a civilization. Mm. There's mamas and papas and babies. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And there's, I can't remember. There were, there were a couple others that I thought about putting on my list, but we had discussed. So I, I took them off. The only other one that I had that, um, I was, I, I w- really kind of had as a backup was the island. Michael I did Bay's too. Film. You're right. Yeah, um, but they. Yeah. Okay. My, but because I found it to be a really interesting film that um, was a fantastic uh, sci-fi world that I felt should have been done on a lower budget minus Michael Bay. I felt yeah. like the context of of that unique story on, in Michael Bay's hands just was was too much. But um, yeah. But were they yeah. were they underground? They were, yeah, weren't the, wasn't the island, wasn't it like an underground place that, because uh, um, when he comes out of it, it's, uh, it's not like they're on the surface. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I, I guess feel you're like right. they came out of the ground. They came out to, of something yeah. Yeah. to get to the water. Huh. Well, just to get to, and, and the rest, the second half of the movie. Yeah, second half of the movie, right, when they're on the run. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's that was what I couldn't remember. If they were just, again, under a dome, that was kind of a, if they were just sort of secluded. Right. Or if they were underwater. So I'll, I'll take your memory for that. So that's where we were. That's where we were for this particular movie. And we are going on to another Apes movie for this week's list. Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So, Space Monkeys. Space <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that uh, we talked about it a little bit in the uh, uh, the Discord channels, but um, I kind of uh, half heartedly brought up the idea of um, movies that had been you know where this the the movie or movies had definitively ended, and they found a way to retcon it and bring it back. That could certainly be one. It might make uh, for absolutely. It might make for a difficult list Challenge. again. I guarantee you they're going to pick that. Whatever uh, yeah, it is, probably. they're going to pick that. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't even matter. Films that were retcon sequels for a film that had a very clear ending. That's what I yes, call it. Yes, that's <laughs> yikes. Um, yep. Okay. Um, what else do we have? Um, well, I'm, I'm doing Steve's trick where I'm going to the IMDb keywords. And there are things like tragic event or cigarette <laughs> smoking. Well, let's see. We've got government, uh, um, uh, like Senate hearings. 
Senate hearings. So we could always go to the exciting world of Senate hearings. <laughs> Cinematic Senate hearings. <laughs> Cinematic Senate hearings. They, I think they might pick that now. That all sounds, of a sudden. <laughs> that sounds painful. I don't know if we should put that down on the list. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, animals wearing clothes. <laughs> Well, we've got talking animals. Well, uh, we've done we've we've put that on the list before, but this time, yeah. yeah. Let's see. We've got um, what do we have? We have circuses. We have um, oh, we should totally do like uh, you know clothing montages. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Clothing montages, but uh, do I can't think of any other movies in which there's a clothing montage with them with the animals wearing the clothes. Uh, no, it doesn't have to be animals wearing pol- uh, clothes. Uh, it, it can be, you know, I mean, there's there's tons of options of, of great fashion you know. montages in film. Uh, yeah, it, it, pick That's, any wedding movie, and yeah, inevitably right. you're going to see, you know, the wedding dress montage. Yep, yep. It might be low hanging fruit, but we can yeah. see, we can certainly do that as an option. Movies with reel to reel tape recorders. <laughs> <laughs> how about um, how about uh, no, that's way too difficult. I was going to say seventies uh, doctors or doctors who you know didn't pay attention to you know responsibility with patients, i.e., smoking around them and such, <laughs> smoking and and letting pregnant women drink. This guy, that's way <laughs> way too difficult. <laughs> uh, it could just be terrible doctors. It's just the the worst doctors. Cinematic bad doctors. Cinematic bad doctors. Well, he's not really a doctor, though. Like, I, I, I think that doesn't work. Well, he was a psychiatrist. That's he's a like doctor. a government employee. Yeah, but, uh, you know, his role was, like, his training was uh, to be a doctor. You just want to do cinematic bad doctors? Well, I... You just I, want to throw it on there, don't you? It, it's, again, it, it's, it is what it is. Movies with great truth serums. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we, can, we can do bad doctors. I'm okay with that. Okay. Bad doctors. Bad now, movie doctors. Or we're not talking about like killer doctors, are we? So we're limiting bad doctors now? Well, I mean, bad, uh, I guess it's fine. Bad, he's he's evil no matter how you slice it, right? It, that's right. That's right. So we're doing films that were retcon sequels for a film that had a very clear ending, mm-hmm. bad movie doctors, and uh, wardrobe montages. Yes. Yes. Now, if you can find The Triple Crown, a movie with all three of those, (laughs) please let us know. Oh, that's going to be a very special movie. (laughs) Very special movie. I can't wait. Good pick. I've I've put the list up in in the Satmat uh, uh, or the Show Talk channel over on Discord. So... Get your votes in, everybody, and uh, it will make for uh, will make an interesting discussion next week, no matter which way we go. <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you, uh, everybody, and thank you uh, to all of our patrons uh, for supporting the show and helping to make all of this good stuff possible. We really appreciate it. And uh, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Join us. Give us a few bucks and uh, join the Discord. We'd love to have you there. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Hello, hello, uh, Stephen, and goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. 
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.